Hello, you're welcome to the Uncommon Woman Conference 2021, themed Audacious, Living Fearless. The message you're about to listen to is brought to you by Jesus House. God bless and enjoy the message. Olajumoke Adenowo is a multiple award-winning architect, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. Described as Africa's architect by CNN and the face of architecture in Nigeria by The Guardian, she was recognized by the Royal Institute of British Architects as one of the most inspirational women in architecture today. Olajumoke has been exceptional from her youth attending university at the tender age of 14 and designing her first building at the age of 23 when she designed the Federal Ministry of Finance building in Nigeria. At 25, she established her own company, AD Consulting. She has been featured in leading magazines, Architectural Record and Forbes Women. Her portfolio of clients include L'Oreal, GT Bank and Coca-Cola. In 2013, she was instituted into the Hall of Fame of Personalities of Black Ancestry by the University of West England in Bristol. As an accomplished entrepreneur and founder of Awesome Treasures, her passion is to raise transformational and visionary leaders within the next generation in Africa. Put your hands together in a bold, audacious welcome to our keynote speaker, Mrs. Olajumoke Adenowo. again for inviting me to speak at this conference, The Uncommon Woman 2021. I think I have the distinction of being invited to the same conference twice in the same year. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Shalai Ruku, for trusting me with this platform once again. The theme of this year's conference is audacious living fearlessly. Audacious living fearlessly. I'm sure a lot of speakers at the conference are going to say that fear is a spirit and it's true. Fear is a spirit because the Bible says we have not received the spirit of fear. So there is actually fear as a spirit. And then one more thing we do know need to know about fear is that fear is also a symptom. So there is a healthy fear and there's an irrational unhealthy fear. It is a healthy fear that we teach our children when you see fire, you withdraw. That's a healthy fear. So there's a fear we can have that is actually telling us that there is an anomaly with our Christian life. There's a fear we can have that is telling us that there is something wrong. There is a fear that we can have that is is a symptom of an underlying condition that is not correct. So when we should have faith and we are afraid, something is telling us that your relationship with God is not quite in sync. I know I'm stepping on toes again, but it looks like that's why I'm invited to conferences to step on toes that others would rather not step on. So I'm an official toe stepper. But you still love me. Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1, it says the the wicked runneth when no man pursueth, but the righteous is as bold as a lion. So when we find ourselves being fearful, we need to ask, are we sure 
about our righteousness. And when we talk about righteousness, there's a place for holiness in righteousness. It's being without sin. But I like Kenneth Hagin of um, late Kenneth Hagin's definition of righteousness, which is right standing. Standing in right relationship with God. As one without sin. Not like one. As one. The state really as one without sin. Without any consciousness of sin. That separates us from our maker. And that righteousness is not in us. Someone gave it to us. Somebody paid for it. We're assuming somebody's place. Someone took our sin so that we can be completely righteous. So we see that fear of all sorts comes from a paradigm. A paradigm one of unrighteousness. A paradigm of not being very clear of our acceptance in the beloved. A paradigm. Fear is built off from a belief system. You fear because of what you believe. Yeah. You fear because of what is unknown. But because of the danger that you believe lies in the unknown. You fear because you are not sure of your God that you are serving. Let's be honest. You fear because you are not sure if you jump, if God will catch you. You fear to take that next move because you are not sure if you take it, God will be there with you. I'm still not used to seeing my late father because I lost my father in December. And it's not up to two months yet, so it's still tough to see my late father. But when you are blessed with a good father on earth, and I know it's a rare gift, and I appreciate that, which is why sometimes I still cry. Not sometimes. I've, I've cried today. I've done my dose of crying today before coming. Um... You know what it is like to have somebody who is stronger than you by your side. So when you see a tiny pipsqueak in the playground challenging those who are bigger than him, who look like rugby players, you need to look around and see if there's somebody by the fence of the playground much bigger than the bullies who is looking after that one. I remember one time we were in the swimming pool because I used to swim a lot. I know it doesn't look like it, but I used to swim a lot. I just don't swim because of my hair. It all happens to women a lot. But we were always at the swimming pool. So I was like three years old. And my father was in the deep end talking to one of his friends. And I was a paddle pool candidate. You know how it is you graduate from the paddle pool to the big pool. So I was still a paddle pool candidate. But I wanted my father to, to, to listen to what I had to say. And right there and then. And I was talking and it was trying to teach me good manners. It finally stopped daddy. You know, my father was in heaven. I got the good manners. You know, so he wasn't answering me. So I thought, I really need his attention. So I jumped into the pool. And truly, your whole life flashes before your eyes when you are drowning. I'm telling you, my three-year-old life, I saw everything like in a movie. And I still remember the swimming suit I was wearing is... We had yellow stripes and with red and green sailboats, you know. And I was like, so this is how people die. And I was going down. Until I just spun his strong arms, just pulled me out. And I had my name. You see, I could jump because my dad was in the pool. I'm audacious because I know who is with me. That's why. I'm audacious. People think, I mean, I was a nuisance when I was in my 20s. Because in church, I was just so audacious. From what I hear, it was intimidating to the others. Why are you so sure of God? 
I got born again 41 years ago at the age of 11. And I've never yet known God to fill me. Till today. Said that which our hands have handled, our ears have had, that we have experienced of the word of life. When I come to you and I speak, I'm not telling you what I read in a book. I'm telling you what I have proven and I've tested and I know it works. All taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. I'm audacious because of the person who is with me. Fear needs a stronghold of the belief system. And actually, we put ourselves in that stronghold ourselves. Every Think of a castle that is built with bricks. You know, each brick is a lie you've told yourself. Lie. Number one. Well, when you pray to God, it can say maybe, it can say yes, and it can say no. Ah, is it not the God who let Job suffer? Who am I? That's another block. And as we begin to build those blocks around ourselves... The enemy comes in with his own strategy and takes a, a position behind those strongholds that we ourselves have built. Strongholds that basically say, are we sure we can trust God? Which is why today after we deal with this situation, this matter of fear, after we deal with it, we're not going to ever go back to that belief system again. Matthew chapter 12 verse 43 describes how a how an unclean spirit operates. It says when you cast an unclean spirit out of a man, it goes into the arid places. And then after a while it says, let me go back into the house I came in from. They get, it gets there and it says everywhere is clean. But nothing else has occupied the place of what left. And then he says, wow, this place is renovated. I better go back and get seven stronger than myself and let's move in and never go. Therefore, when you displace what on truth, you need to replace it with the truth. That is how to deal with fear. Oh, God is able to have my back. Why? We need to replace it with the word that makes it clear to us that God has our back. I feel a song coming out. I'm trying to, because of time, get my Imarama, you were seated on the throne. The song just says, God is good. Imarama, just give me the chords. You were seated. Richard should have hung. Thank you. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5. He says, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What man can do unto me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He says for he has said. Huh, Hebrews 13. Yes. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And like he said for he himself has said. It was not reported speech. He is promising. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now it doesn't say I must always be seen by you. Because therein lies the problem. We are not sure he's with us because we don't see him. But I like the analogy of the wind. We do not see the wind. Yes, we see the trees bend. Once we can see the impact of the one who is with us, he is with us. No 
one can convince me that God is not with me anymore. It's too late. I'm telling you what I have seen. We're on Zoom and the Holy Ghost is shaking someone's house in Dutch at Windsor. The whole house is physically shaking. And I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. What kind of person is with me? An amazing person. I'm in Lagos, Nigeria. He's showing me what you are doing in Canada. And I'm saying there is someone in Canada. You just place this by your laptop now. And this and that. And the woman is in awe that how? That is the person who is with me. I don't need to see him to see what he does. I don't need to see him to see the results he's delivered. On a daily basis. The point Theo and I were like, must there be a testimony every day? forevermore. 
So we are going and we are coming back. And the same way you went with me to only York in the midst of a pandemic. We held the meeting and we came back. Obeying every law of the land. We are going to go to Ibadan. Obey every law of the land and there shall be no negative incident. Three events. Hundreds of people. No case of COVID. To the glory of God. Because in the presence of God, there's something that is more powerful than any vaccination. I'm not saying don't take the vaccination. Please do. We are careful, but not fearful. I had the word and I went. I'm not afraid because he's with me. And I don't have to say him. I'm not afraid because he reveals to me what is in the dark. Half of our there, half, 99% of our fear is about the future. We don't know what the future holds. Worry is actually negative faith. It's having faith in evil that will never come to pass. What if? What if? And they're all negative scenarios. Job said in Job chapter 29 verse 3. He says, your counsel is upon my tent. Your lamp shines upon my head. And by your light I walk through this is one of my favorite scriptures ever because I envision a minefield in the dark mines, you know, mines with bombs that are placed dormant in the earth until you trip them and they're always placed below the surface because it's wicked people who use mines. In fact, mines have now been outlawed because there's so many amputees all over the world. When the war while the mines are still in the lands and everywhere. The land remains dangerous. But you see, when Job talks about this, by his light, I walk through darkness. I see the landscape of the earth like that minefield. You don't know where to go. So the ordinance usually goes in front using a minesweeper. Sometimes it blows up. They themselves die. But it says you have something better than a minesweeper. It says by his light you walk through darkness. He knows where every danger he's kept. He says, don't go there. He says, go there. Ah, if I had time for stories, I'll quickly I'll tell you still, because you know, women like stories and it's a female conference, whichever way we look at it. We just got married. We just got back from honeymoon, maybe two weeks or so. As an entrepreneur, I could give myself the day off. And as I was, it wasn't planned. I wasn't going to give myself the day off. I was getting ready to go to work. And I was moisturizing my skin and, um, I, I like that better than the Nigerian rubbing my body. I was moisturizing my skin. And then he, the Holy Ghost just said, take the anointing oil. Anoint your feet. And he said, as I anointed my feet, he said, you're not going to the office. You're going to go visit your husband in the office. And there is nothing I hate the, more than that kind of thing. How can you go and visit your husband in the office? You don't do that kind of thing. Except, well, this is another... <coughs> I could teach you that. In some cases, uh, sometimes, once in a while, you could go visit your husband in the office. If every time he sees you, you are in pins and colors, you know what I'm saying, and you're wearing your grandmother's nightgown. Sometimes you just drop by. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just passing. I was in the neighborhood, and I thought, I should come see you. Also, if your secretary is mine, you need to do that sometimes. But that wasn't the case. His secretary was even a guy. Sunday, I think. And I decided, as the Holy Ghost told I was going to obey. Long and short, I went. There was really nothing to do. I said, okay, I wanted to go and register in one clinic across the road that I knew I would never use. 
but when we, he, because of love, and it's good to love your wife. My husband said, I'm going with you. I'm like, I'm just going to the clinic to register. I'm going with you. So I had to wait for him. He went with me. We left, you know, the bank in charge of whoever. And then the doctor took forever to come. When he finally came, he decided he wanted to gist with me, talk to me, found me interested. We were getting later and later for my husband to get back to work. As we began to walk back to the bank, I just saw my husband just pushed me out of the one some Rambo Django move like that. I'm like, he said, I'm drovers. And I saw somebody that was like holding like a pipe. That's what it looked like to me. I didn't know it was, I don't know what it was, pump action or something like that. And these guys had bandanas on their heads and their faces were covered and they were jumping into a Mercedes and they had just robbed his bank. Yeah. And of course, who would they ask for when they got in? The manager. Guess who the manager was? My husband. And because he loved his wife, he could have been an African man and said, you want to go and register in the clinic? Go ahead. I shall be here when you come back. But because they could not find the manager, everybody was able to pretend that they didn't know where the keys were. And they couldn't get any money beyond what was in front of the cash and the tellers. The moral of the story. <laughs> he leads me beside still watches. He restored my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. How will I not trust that kind of God? Why will I not be audacious if he says, go to New York in the middle of New York shutting down? I'm going to hold your summit. I got to the airport in Lagos and the first thing I, I looked up at the screen, New York, has been declared, whatever, a state of emergency. They, my chauffeur had not gone back home. I could say, wait, <laughs> the timing of this announcement is fantastic. I haven't boarded. Give me my luggage. Let me go back. But I said, if he says it, I am going. Why? Because I'm audacious. Because I trust his word. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is it the son of man that he should repent. For has he said he shall he not do it? Has he spoken? Shall he not come to pass? I must take it with another point. He's a God of purpose. He declares the end from the beginning and from the ancient times of things not yet done. Saying, I will do my pleasure. So when he said to me, have a summit in New York, it was already finished. Before he said it, hey, you are Alpha. Omega is finished. That means God will not lift me from A until C is completed. So Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. And he went to bed. And then they began to say, carest not thou that we perish. And he said, you don't understand that I uphold the entire world by the word of my power. Not the power of my word. The word of my power. What it means is that my word itself is the vehicle of power. Therefore, when my word goes forth, power is inside that word. Therefore, any word that God has spoken to you, know that the Bible says in Luke 1, 37, that there is no word of God that shall be void of the power for fulfillment. So when he says to you, you shall have a child, it doesn't matter what the doctor says, the word has said, you shall have a child. Interestingly, it doesn't even matter what the doctor says. 
Because since you were born a woman, that was the day that it became too late to not have a child. Because your eggs were within you the day you were born. So instead of saying we had a girl, they could have announced to the entire hospital, we have a mother. Therefore, it's too late to stop you from being a mother. It is too late for stop you from carrying your own children. That for that purpose you were born. Ah, one of the reasons you were born a woman is because you are the man that has the womb, and that purpose of that womb must be fulfilled, which is to carry children. And maybe you are in that situation now. I just want you to tell your womb one more time that you were created for children, right? And you will bear those children. Now, that's one beautiful thing that I like about women. We're not just wombs. Because if the purpose of a woman was to have children, then you just see us as wombs walking on legs who need no brains. But the fact that we also have brains and hands, uh, you can finish the story yourself. We're meant to be thinking, contributing members of society. And it's not just contributing children, but contributing value at all levels. It is not good that man should be alone. Uh -huh. Anyway, <laughs> it feels to me. I trust his word. I trust his word because there is nothing that is not manifest in the eyes of him with which we have to do. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. He said, for the word of God is a living thing. Now, for those who remember our biology, living things adapt. Which means when the word of God gets into a situation, whatever it finds, it... Ugh, I see it like water flowing to take the shape of that thing. And until it configures that situation to become like what the word says, it does not leave it. Therefore, when God says you shall have favor, that your smell is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed, it has nothing to do with if you are dealing with Ahasuerus, Mordecai, or Zerubbabel. It does not matter. When it gets into the life of Ahasuerus, it begins to change the heart of that king. He said, for the, 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 the hearts of kings are in the hands of God like rivers of water. The word of God comes into the heart of the king and turns it into water and begins to stir it. He finishes doing what you want him to do. And he himself does not know what came over him. That is the word of God. A living thing. Quick. Powerful. <laughs> All things are naked before the word. Psalm 139 verse 11 verse 12. Psalm 139 verse 11 and 12. How the word is a revealer. How the Holy Ghost who is with me is a revealer. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea. Yes. He says, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. And there you are worried about people who stand in the darkness to attack you. They are standing naked. They are standing in plain sight. Ah. Hmm. I wish I could explain to you what I mean. They think they are hidden. You think they're hidden. But if the person who is with you is Emmanuel and God himself, they are standing in noonday. Because the darkness, even the darkness cannot hide them from him with which you have to do. So why are you not audacious? Why are you fearful? Hmm. I'm no longer a slave to fear.
I know we say it, but do we believe it? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. It means, if you are really sure of the nature of God, you cannot be afraid. Because you know you are in good hands. But there are those of us who believe God can give us COVID to teach us a lesson. Mm. And we believe that when he says it chastises us, God can get a horse whip and give it to us to teach us a lesson. But meanwhile, that word chastise really means the primary way in which God chastises so we can lay, lay to rest forever. He says he prunes them. I can't, it's not a topic, it's a whole session on its own. But when he prunes, he prunes with his word. So he sends his word as he's sending his word to you now. In the belief that the word will clip the excesses, will mold, will change, will get everything right. He does not chastise his children by bringing out a horsewhip. You have your own kids. He said the first thing you said to Junior, you just come out in the morning and you bring out a horsewhip. Instead of saying, Junior, get up. I'm chastising you so you can become better. The first thing is, hey, Junior, get up. Junior doesn't get up. Junior, get up. I'll um, put you in the naughty corner. Uh -huh. And depending on the society in which you live, um, manual resets can follow, you know, verbal um, admonitions. I am not advocating violence of any sort. I'm politically correct. Thank you. But God is good. James 1.17 says, all good things come from above and descended from the Father of, Father of light. Number one, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turn. You will get it. God cannot give good and evil. He cannot give what he doesn't have. But sometimes he's doing good and we are not sure. This is the God who did good to Jacob by taking Joseph to Egypt. You are getting it. I always wondered that for 13 years, that man mourned his son. 13 years. I've mourned for two, not up to two months. 13 years. When I say I've mourned, I mourned my father. I know he's in a better place, but 13 years. If at any time God decided, let me be good to Jacob, the way human beings are good. And let me tell him, actually, Jacob, everything is under control. Joseph is actually in Egypt. Right now, he's a slave. Okay, okay, things are better now. He's moving closer to the throne. I've thrown him in prison. By this time, Jacob will be like, we thank you very much. Don't preserve our heritage. Just return my son to me. He was rich enough to go and buy his son back. He would have scuttled the entire plan of God. There would have been no Israel today because they would not have been protected during famine do you get what I'm saying or provided for during famine so God is good it may not look as if he's good while we are waiting it may not look like he is good when he's dealing with us but he is good all things work out for good to those that love God and to the called according to his purpose and I am called according to his purpose and if you are called according to his purpose, you can be audacious. You can be audacious. Why? Because being called according to his purpose, swallowing purpose, that's the way I look at it. It turns me into a missile that
that cannot be extinguished until my payload is delivered. That's the way I see myself. Until I deliver what I carry. Once I'm aligned, you can't stop me. Psalm 91 says, He keeps me in all my ways of what? Of obedience and alignment. Therefore, when Paul carried purpose, he was two nights and three days in the deep. He could not be killed. The water, why? Because the water is created by the one who is inside me. So the water obeys the one who is inside me. That is why Jesus could get up too and say, peace, be still. He was saying to the water, right now you waves are disobeying the law of God because I am carrying a mandate. And it was not written of me that I would die by drowning. I need to die on the cross. I'm not dying now. Peace, be still. The very words he uses, he divested the waves and the winds of their power and told them, return to the original order. Oh, you know, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, I think starting from verse 19, you can go on all the way to 29. It says that the very creation is groaning for you to manifest and tell things how to behave again. So Jesus said, return, behave. Sometimes you need to tell your body, return, behave, align. Sometimes you need to tell some viruses, return, behave. Paul was in the deep two nights, three days. The water could not swallow him because the sea was made by God. All things listened to his voice and alive. Then he got down. They were able to make it to the land. And he was on the island and they made a fire and a viper came out of the wood and fastened itself on Paul's hand. It was not said that he said, I rebuke you. He shook it off back again saying, go back to proper alignment. I'm carrying purpose. You don't get it. Give you one more story. Luke chapter 4 verse 30. Jesus Christ, they were about to throw him off the cliff. What did Jesus, the Bible says, it, I, I love it. it, said, him passing through the midst of them went his way. I don't understand why they blind. Could they no longer see him? It was just because purpose had said it was going to die on a tree. It didn't say he shall be cast off the cliff. That is how powerful it is. When you begin to align yourself with the purpose of God. When you go back to work and you know you are in that place. Not as a job but as an assignment for God. Then you, there's no appraisal that scares you anymore. No promotion exercise. No layoff. If God sent you there, man cannot lay you off. I said... Whatever God causes you to attain, he himself will maintain. If he's the one who made you attain it, once you are aligned. You know, sin is that thing that makes a lot of us afraid. It's sin. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, that if we say we have no sin, we lie and we do not the truth. But when we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, I need to spend a little time here. And it is this. I am, the more I get closer and I hear the things that are going on in the body, the more I praise God for his mercy on us. Us. The Bible says, if we say we have no sin, right? We lie and the truth is not in us. Which means we will make mistakes here and there. Maybe of omission or commission. 
But at a stage, we're expected to make some kind of mistakes or maybe walking in love, not putting your neighbor before yourself. You know what I'm saying? So we're supposed to graduate in the kind of mistakes we're supposed to grow. We can't be where we were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 2 years ago. But you see, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, and we don't talk about this anymore. I have quite a, a, well, a following in, in, in South Africa. And someone told me once, Mrs. A, people don't talk about sin here anymore. They don't talk about holiness the way you talk about holiness. <clears throat> the Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Sin is a real thing. Sin is tantamount to evil. It brings pain. The same root word for pain, for sickness, for sin, and for evil. I'm going somewhere. First John 3, 8 says that the seed of God does not habitually sin. If you love God, you do not habitually sin. If you love God, you don't build structures around your sin. That is, you don't plan to sin and buy the toys you are going to sin with. I don't want to elaborate. You don't plan to sin and move in into the place where sin can be daily. Do you see? That's why you cannot trust God driving from the home of your sugar daddy. I don't know what it's called these days. You see, I'm so old school. I don't know what it's called. Your <clears throat> the husband of another woman who you are dating. And expect that God will come through for you in that next promotion exercise. That's the reason. The wicked fleeth when no man pursueth. But the righteous as bold as a lion. Sin stops you from coming boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. To receive grace and help in the time of need. That's what sin does. Finally, because of time, I'm going to stop at the final reason for purposes of this conference so that you invite me again because I keep to time. Why am I audacious? Between me and God, it's not a contract. It's a covenant. We have become inseparable. You don't get it. I can see with the eyes of my spirit. And I see a new church rising. Yes, I know they're coming in their thousands. They're coming from afar. They're coming from afar. I see a people of covenant coming from afar. Not a people who serve God when he does well. And when he is not performing, they can go elsewhere. <laughs> when Abraham was not sure that he would ever get that child of promise, God said, let us cut covenant. Genesis chapter 15. Because of time, I won't go too far into it. But what he did was he walked the path of blood with Abraham. Meaning, he and Abraham fused into one. And at a point, if you're working in a covenant relationship with someone, or you're cutting covenant, when the two of you walk in that path of blood upon the animals that you have slaughtered, a representative of what will happen to you if you decide to turn your back against what you are saying right then. You are saying, God was saying, if ever 
Abraham, you are in trouble and you call and I don't come. Let me become like this dead cow. If ever you are on your sick bed and you say, Lord, heal me and I do not show up for you. Let me become like this Haifa that you have slain. That he was saying. He was saying, your enemies become my enemies because they exchange swords. And your reputation becomes my reputation. They exchange garments. Your identity becomes my identity. Your royalty becomes my royalty. Let me explain to you how amazing that part is. When Haman wanted, was, was asked by the king, what will be done to the man that the king loveth? He said, let him wear the king's robe. Wasn't it? <laughs> and God said, I have given you my robe. What did the prodigal son get? He said, put my ring on his shoulder. Change his robes. Therefore, I know my robes have been changed. Your robes have been changed. Your identity has been changed. In the spirit realm, you smell differently. Therefore, no demon can say to somebody who is in covenant, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? He knows who you are because you are wearing the clothes of Jesus when you are coming. He knows who you are. Hey, yes, I know. That's why I can stay in Lagos and command a demon in Canada to get out, and he does. I'm yet to hear once a demon argue with me and tell me why he cannot leave. Sometimes all I say is, Get out! That's a mystery for another day. But without even saying in the name of Jesus, the demon knows in whose name I'm coming. Because I've been given the power of attorney. That means the power to use the name Jesus as if I was Jesus. How will I not be audacious? You're not dealing with Jehovah. Okay, I don't know what. You're dealing with the Christ that is in her. Because the spirit of Christ dwells inside her. And she has not come after her own agenda. She has not come for her own glorification. The Bible says, blessed, empowered to prosper is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That means she's coming with a righteous wind pulling, pushing her. She's coming riding on the wings of the eagle. She's not coming on her own. She's not coming in her father's name. She's coming in the name of the Lord of hosts. It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. That the king of glory may come in. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 16 to 18. Men verily swear by a greater. And an oath of confirmation is for them the end of all strife. Therefore God, willing more abundantly to convince you. To convince you that there is no cause for fear. But if it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can be sure. That anything you read in this word, it is true. Willing more abundantly to, con to convince you. He swore by himself. Because we're going to, he was going to swear by the sea. And he, so I created the sea. Because men will swear by the sea saying, the day the sea dries up. The vastness of the sea. That's the day you know, I won't fulfill this covenant. Or as high as this mountain is, so is my truth towards you. But no. He had created everything. Therefore, he looked around and said, you know what? There's nothing, nothing. You know what? There's nothing greater than me. I swear by me. That the day I cease to exist is the day you will not have your miracle. 
is against the spirit of fear itself. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, Christ has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love. Thank you. That spirit of power, that of love and of a sound mind. You are going to say every spirit of fear. And let me tell you what a spirit of fear is. It's a precursor spirit. Like COVID. <laughs> COVID to me is a precursor virus. It is so lady. If there was ever a parallel in the physical realm of what the spirit of fear is, it's COVID. The fear of COVID is worse than COVID. Because other things kill. But COVID comes in and then preys on comorbidities, things that are already there. The same way, fear comes in and opens the door to every other spirit and says, you can come in now. I'm here. She will take anything you throw at her now.
God said to me, I should begin to open up a bit more. From Not a bit more. He said, I should open up. I'm the one who is adding a bit again to it because I'm still not yet <laughs> I need to share my life with you. November 20, December 2019, the Lord said to me, two people were going to die. Actually, three in our family. Older people. Older people. My mother-in-law, my father, and one more person. In 2019, I said, that's too much. And sorry, in 2020, it's too much. We, we, we can't do that. He said, my mother-in-law will not go past June with us. So on cue, May, she fell ill. She had been ill. She had had a stroke for years, but God healed her and she could function. But I said, my son said to me, because my sons are like, dad, she told you, you know, this was June. And June was the last time she was really with us. And uh, I'm going somewhere. September 18, she passed. Then my dad. I had to go from the hospital to the wakekeeping for my mother-in-law. Something happened. And I was like, no, we said, I thought I had negotiated for 2021 so that, you know, it all just doesn't happen this year. Then I went to England and I had a vision of him passing by me in his wedding. But I looking so handsome. I looked like my dad, you see, so handsome, so... I was like, what? I'm not in Nigeria. You cannot die because I'm not in Nigeria. He said, I hand over to you the keys of the kingdom. That you lock a door, no man can open it. You open a door, no man can lock it. So I shot death against my dad. You are going nowhere. I'm coming back to Nigeria. I said, I must be there when you go. And I was there. You will wait for me. So, I got back to Nigeria, I went to see him. When I went to see him, death was on the room. I could tell. I've never seen anything like that before. Five full minutes, I couldn't speak. I had no words. And when I opened my mouth, I was worshipping. Then I prayed. The whole house, everybody came from wherever they were. Nobody called them to that room because of the presence of God. November 18. Everything that he couldn't do, he began to do. Oh, I have witnesses. <laughs> I have witnesses. He began to do. He now could eat. He could everything. And then on cue, two days to his passing, December 16, he collapsed. What did I do when I got there? November 18. I basically, I said to him, death, get out of this room. Number one. Number two, I lock death. I lock hell against him. For I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Somebody will get it. When I got back to him, when he was about to go, God and I were still negotiating it. And my father said, I want to sleep. I want to rest. Surely a man has a right over his own life when you've lived a full life and you know where you are going. I saw a freshness come over him like a dew. I knew he was done. Thursday morning, God gave me another vision. I said, you know what? He belongs to you. Take him. It was not up to 24 hours. I called my brother said, your dad, dad is going. And my brother was like, he still have a few more miracles to do. I said, no, no, he's, he's going. And I began to cry because I knew that was it. My sister said when she saw me change my DP, my father was alive, but I changed my profile picture to me on my father's knees as a three-year-old. She said she gave up because she knows me well and she knows the prophetic in my life. If God could hold my father for weeks for me to say he can now go, at 81, you think 
The devil can kill your own son at 18 or you at 30. Will you rise up and pray and come against every reckless spirit of death that is untimely in your house and say, I love the keys of death. The grave, shut up. The grave has a mouth. You can shut it. I love death. Nobody dies of COVID. Nobody dies of any flu. Nobody dies of anything. Go to the doorpost of your house and anoint it. Psalm 66 verse 9 is what I said. I said, God is just showing to me right now. Who holdeth your feet in life so that your foot cannot be moved. I said, God is telling me right now that where his human resources, he sends us from eternity into time when it is time. And nobody but us and him have the authority to release ourselves. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a human resource thing. Either he sacks us or we resign. There is no third party. And that day, I'd been messing the devil on YouTube and Instagram and explaining how you fear him too much. And then I saw a vision in some witches told me, we will deal with you. And then I felt an irrational spirit of fear want to come upon me. And I said, where is that coming from? I bind the spirit of fear. And the Holy Spirit came upon me and said, if you were boasting, if your son was boasting about you, and saying what you could do. What would you do for that son? I said, I will back him up with everything I have. He said, I'm backing you up. That day, my husband almost had an accident in Senegal. There was nothing on the road, he thought. But I saw what was on the road. It was one of those entities. I saw her. The car hit her. And he spun and went into the bush. He came out without a scratch. The car was sampled. I said, because the Bible says, he holds your feet in life. You don't get it. Look at those your feet. He moves them. He super glues them into life. That you will not move from time into eternity until he says so. Stamp your feet upon the ground and remind yourself. He holds my feet in life. And I want you to declare again. Feet be held in life by the power of God. Nothing moves you. Come and pray. Nothing. Stamp your feet and say nothing It's the Holy Ghost leading me. 
it's not as if it's in my notes. Every idle word you said in fear, in trepidation, to bring yourself to the brink of the grave. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, this COVID. By the blood of Jesus, I want you to wipe out every idle word. Come on, be violent about it. By the blood of Jesus. You had a cold. You said, I hope it's not COVID. You coughed. You said, ah, this COVID. By the blood of Jesus, cancel every structure you spoken against yourself. I do all that I've about. I cancel under the name of Jesus. enjoyed the message if you want more information please log on to our website at uncommonwomenconference.co.uk god bless you